This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Tour. Back again with you guys for another episode of the Arsenal Transfer Show. Joining you every morning at 8 a.m. other than yesterday. Apologies. I had a day off. Forgive me. <laughs> in fact, uh, I had two days off from podcasting. It was nice. It was a good weekend. Spent it in Bristol uh, with some good friends of ours and um, went to watch some rugby. I, I, I've never been to a rugby game before. Uh, went to a rugby game and quite enjoyed it. It ended 26-26. Um, and to be honest, Bristol should have won at the end, um, but their kicker missed a kick, which is a bit strange. You know, you're, you're bought as the, the guy that's meant to do the kicking, and then you miss the kick. It doesn't really, in my head, doesn't make much sense. It's like buying a penalty taker, and then they miss a penalty. Is that imagine, That's kind of a, where I'm, I'm equating it to at this stage. It was a good weekend. Lots of bad food, which needs to stop, and I'm going to talk a little bit about why that needs to stop at the end of the pod, because I've got... Uh, some favours and questions to ask you guys. So stick around to the end uh, for some more personal chats. But we're going to keep it to Arsenal, don't worry, uh, in the first and second part of today's show. But I hope you had a fantastic weekend. Welcome to Monday. Uh, good morning to Matt G, to Jose, to Stephen, to Rich. Good morning to Louis and Lynn and Yomi and NSW. Uh, good morning to Harrison. Uh, good morning to Carl. Good morning to Nabil. Uh, good morning to Lynn and Martin and Red Star. Uh, Olu uh, as well and everybody else. And I see that Olu has rejoined as a member of the channel as well. So a massive welcome back to Olu as well in our chat box. Uh, first things first, I want to say that I hope that uh, Raheem Sterling's family are safe and sound. Horrific reports that came out yesterday uh, regarding the intrusion into his family home and why he has had to return from Qatar and whether or not he plays any part in the World Cup is unknown, but to be honest, that's pretty secondary to what is a really awful situation and continues to go to show what horrible people still exist in this world. I mean, goodness me, uh, people need to in, really get a life. Um, and I just can't handle the amount of negativity and awful things that go on these days. But yeah, hearing about that was a really, really sad end to yesterday, unfortunately. But hopefully, his family are indeed safe and sound and uh, can find some peace and comfort in the coming days because it's going to be very difficult, I'm very sure, to do that. Uh, let's move to Arsenal. Uh, and uh, on Saturday, despite not doing a live show, I did uh, produce a saved show, uh, which I pre-recorded with Harry Simu, talking about all of Arsenal's January transfer target. So if you haven't yet given that a watch, it's a really good discussion with myself and Harry, if I do say so myself. Um, but Harry talks in depth about a number of our targets, Mudrick, Lindstrom, Ferran Torres, Facundo Torres, Danilo. Um, you know, we talk a lot about these players. So it's worth giving it a watch if you haven't done so already. It's the last uploaded video uh, on the channel, despite YouTube being really silly about how they distribute videos on YouTube now, splitting into live and uploaded, even though the most of the, ch the videos on this channel are indeed live. So it makes people think we barely upload on the channel, but we do it every single day. Uh, it's frustrating, but it is uh, what it is. Uh, Bakai Saka helped to send England through to face France in the quarterfinal of the World Cup. Fantastic finish. 
Grealish, it has to be said. A little dink over Eduard Mendy, who was once again very poor in goal. And you can see why Senegal um, might end up being similar to Chelsea and looking uh, potentially having another goalkeeper because Eduard Mendy's stock continues to fall as he struggles uh, between the sticks. But Bakar in England progressing through to face France, who, of course, up top have now their all-time top goal scorer as Olivier Giroud scored his 52nd international goal for France to take him ahead of Thierry Henry. Now, is, is Olivier Giroud a better player than Thierry Henry? No, he's not. Is he a better goal scorer? I don't think that he is, no. However, the thing that Giroud has that Thierry Henry couldn't is longevity. Olivier Giroud has managed to master this ability to continue his career well into his 30s. That said, of course, his kind of real, I suppose, breakout on the top level didn't really occur until his mid-20s, mid to late 20s in, in some cases when he joined Arsenal, of course, because he, he came through in, in the lower levels of France but when he was like 24 and then eventually moved to Montpellier where he won the league, of course, with... Uh, uh, a group of players that then were distributed to other clubs around and uh, he did very well at Arsenal. I think very well. He's got over 100 goals for us. I think we haven't, you know, when we brought in Lacazette, things never really progressed beyond what Olivier Giroud brought to the team. And it's only now with Gabriel Jesus, who we will talk about a little bit later on in today's show, that I feel as though we've finally been able to progress that number nine position. But Congrats to Olivier and uh, no hard feelings about his Chelsea move. Uh, clubs, uh, The club announced a loss once again as they progress towards profit. Uh, I think that this is important and I want to go into a lot more detail about the losses that have been recorded by Arsenal and what this means um, in, in kind of the grander scheme of things and, of course, how this affects the January window. Um, Arsenal's post-tax loss was £45 million in the most recent re uh, kind of financial results. You can go read through the likes of Swiss Ramble, who breaks it down fantastically. But I do want to sit down and have a dedicated show about this. We did do this with Mike from the Gooners pod last time, and I'm probably going to have a chat with him about doing another one this week at some stage to kind of have a look at where this kind of leads us forwards and what it might mean for us in the future. But... Uh, this is a decrease in the loss that we had in the last year's financial results. And I think it does certainly move us towards a place where we're going to hopefully be moving toward profit uh, in the future, uh, even if spending continues as we try and aim to recover more money through revenue of player sales, of commercial deals, etc., etc. Uh, now, Arsenal's squad has been announced that will travel to Dubai. Uh, Kieran Tierney, Gabriel Magalhaes, Martin Odegaard, Smith Rowe, Eddie Nketiah. There's 27 of these players, so bear with me. Rob Holding, Cedric, Fabio Vieira, Sambi Lukonga, Reese Nelson, Mohamed Elneny, Marquinhos, Karl Hein, Alexander Zinchenko, uh, Nathan Butler, Oyadeji, uh, Catalin Kurjan, Taylor Foran, uh, Hubert Grashik, James Hilson, Zane Munlu, uh, Charles Sago Jr., Matt Smith, Miles Lewis Skelly, Ethan Nwanyer, Amario Koja Dubri, Lino de Cruz Souza, and Rule Waters will all travel to uh, the Middle East to join up with uh, some of the senior players and those, of course, that fall out of the World Cups um, tournament at some stage. They will have a break, of course, those that were playing at the World Cup, and then I imagine they'll join up with the players in Dubai. Uh, they will play games against Milan and Lyon. The dates of those games and the times I can also give to you now. Uh, we play Milan on Tuesday, December 13th. So that's a week tomorrow. Uh, that game is at two o'clock UK time. Uh, we then, uh, before that, sorry, we play on Thursday, December 8th as well. So that's in three days time against Leon at 3.30 UK time. So hopefully we should be able to watch them at somehow. Uh, the audio is said to be available on Arsenal.com. Oh, you'll be able to watch those games, though I'm not 100% sure at the moment. But we'll wait and see and give you details if there are any that are released. Um, Gabriel Jesus, however, will not uh, join up with the squads because he faced an injury over the weekend. This is how things go. I don't do a show for two days and massive, massive news hits, of course. And I did think about recording one of my thoughts on Sunday um, when the news was breaking on Saturday evening around it. I decided against it. I wanted to wait. And I'm glad that I did because I think that I would have got sucked into the uh, furore and the chaos and the panic um, that set in over the weekend. The amount of times I saw people saying that the title race is over, even in jest, you know, putting things out. I think I saw Babs tweet saying, congrats, Man City. We'll try again next year. Like, 
I understand like humor. I get it. It's funny, but I, I don't really get the, uh, the over-exaggeration of this situation. You know, Gabriel Jesus has been very important, of course, the way that we play. However, he isn't, you know, he's not the be-all and end-all. And I don't think that he should be the be-all and end-all. And I think that Arsenal should certainly still be able to win plenty of games with him not there. And I think that there's a reason, of course, why Arsenal paid 100 grand a week to Eddie Nketiah, because they believe that he is good enough, whether or not I agree with that or not is a different thing. But they believe him good enough to to be that number two. And so he now has to prove it. And the club has to justify why they've given him that 100 grand a week contract. But in terms of what this means, what my understanding of the injury is, the truth ultimately, which is what I want you guys to really take away from this show, is the truth is that we're going to have to wait. We are going to have to wait for the club to come out with their statement because despite the Brazilian national team doing their own assessments, the club are yet to do their own. Now, what I was told is that Arsenal are will be certainly releasing a statement on Gabriel Jesus's status as soon as he has returned and they're able to do their own assessments and their own scans to determine the outcome of what is going to be needed in terms of whether it's going to be rehab for a certain period of time or whether or not he requires surgery. Now, the, the, the location of this injury is, of course, in his knee, which is a very delicate area and can be one of the most long-term problems you can get. You know, I myself have suffered an ACL rupture and had to have a two-year recovery because I'm not an elite footballer, believe it or not. Uh, thankfully, when it happens to elite footballers, usually their return time could be something from six to eight months towards a year uh, in terms of recovery, depending on how serious it is and depending on, on a number of setbacks, if indeed they have them or not. Hopefully, it is not a serious knee injury, or if it does require surgery, it's not too serious and that there has been rumours around the potential for it to be three months, but there's also been rumours about it potentially being three weeks that he'll be out. And I'm very cautious when you start seeing the length of time a player is going to be out go from three weeks to three months in the space of not even 24, but 12 hours. And I remember seeing uh, Dr. Raj Prabhra, who is a physiotherapist who does his own YouTube channel working on uh, player injuries and updating people on the uh, kind of the issues around player injuries. And, and we might even have a chat with him at some stage because uh, he's a good fan of the channel and good friend of the channel as well, um, talking about how we should be cautious about seeing these kind of varied reports. But the truth of this is that we are going to have to wait. We are going to have to wait until Gabriel Jesus has been assessed by Arsenal's medical staff and when they have their determining diagnosis and their determining route back to full fitness. Now, what does this mean in terms of what this could affect with Arsenal's transfers? Well, first of all, let's talk about the following Balogun situation. I saw a few people tweeting about this on Saturday evening. And so uh, it's my understanding that there is a recall clause in following Balogun's contract. I tweeted this out yesterday. Um, Arsenal do insert you know, recall clauses into most, if not all, of their loan players' contracts uh, through the six months period. So the January window, if it's an 18-month loan deal like it was with Harry Clark at Hibbs, he had three, I think, recall clauses uh, inserted three times where they could bring him back from, or at least two plus times they could recall him back from that 18-month loan deal. He's now at Stoke. So they did, in fact, recall him and sent him to Stoke. So that was one time where they did, of course, exercise that. However, I don't expect Arsenal to recall following Balogun. I'd be very, very surprised if Arsenal recalled following Balogun from his loan. He's doing really, really well in France. He's playing week in, week out and scoring goals for France. And I think that that needs to continue. He, if he is recalled, he's not going to start. Eddie Nketiah, for the moment, is going to start games. And I think people are quickly forgetting that Gabriel Martinelli is also able to play as a centre-forward. We're seeing Emil Smith-Rowe return from injury, and he's going to be available to play on our left flank. And so it could be if we don't want to start Eddie Nketiah, we can use Saka, Martinelli and Smith-Rowe as a front three, a very competent front three, a very able front three with the team that we've been playing the entire season behind them, providing them with opportunities. Odegaard being our top scorer, of course, Jack Aparte playing as well as they are, and having the back four that we've had all season as well with, with Ramsdale behind them. It's one change. It's a big change. Gabriel Jesus is a big player and he's a big part of what we do. It's not the end of the world. And it shouldn't be because if if our title race is resting on one player, we need to make sure that we adapt to that. We need to make sure that we've got depth to this. And I do think we do have depth in this squad. Is it going to affect what we do in the January transfer window? My assumption is no. I don't think it will. I don't think it will change what we do in January. I don't think we'll go out and sign a striker in January. I think Arsenal are looking to try and sign a wide forward who could potentially also bring cover to the middle. Although Mudrik is not that player, we'll talk about him in a little bit. But also the central midfield is a key area that they're looking at. They may now put more emphasis on trying to sign that forward first than going to sign a midfielder. But Arsenal, I don't see them going and signing a striker in January. I don't see them giving Eddie Nketiah £100,000 per week 
and then going signing a striker six months later because Jesus got an injury that could keep him out for what is assumed to be around maybe, if these reports to be believed, around maximum three months out. Why on earth would you give him a hundred grand a week contract if you weren't confident that if you lost your main striker for a period of, say, three months, that you would not be confident in putting Eddie and Ketia into that position or having Gabriel Martinelli as your other option? It makes no sense why the club would do that. So despite seeing a number of comments and on my YouTube or a number of tweets coming my way on Twitter saying we absolutely need to now go for a striker in January, I don't think that's logical in the sense of what the club's thinking is. If Arsenal went out and signed a striker, I'm barely going to complain. I'm not going to complain about that. And I think, you know, it'd be fine for us to do that. But I just don't see that happening. I just can't see the club investing that much money into Eddie Nketiah. And then six months after that, what the reason for why he would get and get more minutes, they then go out and sign a striker. I don't just see that happening. So, no, I don't think they'll go for a striker. I think they will continue to push for a wide forward who maybe could bring more coverage to the forward line and, of course, a central midfielder as well. Now, uh, Edu and Arteta have flown out to LA to meet with the owners and pictures came out, of course, from them attending a game at the uh, at the LA Rams stadium, of course. And uh, there was also images that are supposedly of a fan. Uh, I've seen this reported, I think, that... Uh, let me credit the person that tweeted i think it was doc on twitter that tweeted this uh but they would have definitely referenced who it was but there was a tweet that came out saying a fan <laughs> spoke to Mikel arteta uh yesterday uh when in la and asked him about mudrick here it is uh, an arsenal fan met arteta at the la rams it was sitting with their do the fan asked him if they was uh, if they will try and sign mudrick and Mikel smiled and said we're trying uh, how true this is, I don't know. I can't verify that. It seems something that could be easily made up um, and then given to an aggregator on Twitter to talk about and share. It could be very easily made up, very easily uh, talked about. I mean, just because you've taken a picture with Arteta doesn't mean you necessarily have the evidence that you've said what you've said, unless there was a video. We've not seen a video. Uh, without a video, we can't confirm this. But what we can confirm is, of course, that Edu and Arteta are together with the owners in LA. And I'd be very, very, very surprised if there wasn't discussions over what the January transfer window's plan was. And, of course, what a reaction to Gabriel Jesus' potential long-term injury might be. I would be shocked beyond belief if that didn't happen. Now, the main story that we're going to finish with before we go to part two and your questions is that apparently Shakhtar Donetsk are looking at a potential replacement for Mudrik. The Ukrainian outfit have reportedly submitted an offer of Kevin Santos of Palmeiras, ironically another player who plays with Danilo and Endrick, who could be drafted in to replace the highly rated Mudrik. Of course, Arsenal are amongst a number of teams that are looking at Mudrik. Arsenal have always kind of seen to be the, the favourites in this possible race. But the only way that Arsenal are going to get a deal for Mudrik done is if they're able to negotiate the price to a significantly lower level to what we have seen, um, you know, discussed, 100 million euros, etc., which no one's ever going to pay for Mudrik. Arsenal will need to negotiate that down to a significantly lower level. So there it is. Um, we'll be interested to hear more about this story because we're getting very much closer to the January window opening. We're less than a month away now. We'll continue to bring you those updates. But that brings an end to part one. We're going to move to part two and your questions right after this. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes at McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
Okay, uh, let's jump into the chat box. Um, yes, I did see that Cecil also saw Arteta doing that. That's not the fan I'm talking about uh, regarding the tweet, as far as I'm aware, but they didn't name Cecil as that fan that claimed that. So, no, not Cecil regarding the uh, the Mudrick story. Uh, but Cecil did break the <laughs> Arsenal Twitter, really, with that picture. Very impressive. Um, quite the front scarf and asked for a photo if it was indeed the uh, scenario that happened. Uh, I, I doubt many, many Arsenal fans would at the front to go and talk to all four, uh, all five, including Tim Lewis, of course, and uh, get a photo. So fair play, Cecil. Uh, Marcus, with Rams having a bad season, do you think Stan should focus on the January window and potentially a trophy for us? To be honest, I'll be honest with you, Marcus, I don't think Stan cares all that much, to be honest, about the success of Arsenal. I think his focus is very much on the Rams. Josh Kroenke, however, I think is a different story. And I think Arsenal is very much more his domain, as are the Nuggets, etc. So I think that for Josh, there's going to be a lot of discussion around what Arsenal could potentially achieve this season. And of course, making sure that the January transfer window is a success so that Arsenal can approach that window with as much force and positivity and hopefully get a success as possible. Uh, Greg says, if Jesus is out for three months, we would clearly need a second striker to back up Eddie. Most likely that's bringing Balogun back from loan. But if you don't think they will do that, they will need to sign somebody. Now, again, I'm going to stress this another time. I don't think Arsenal are going to do this. This is not me saying that I think Eddie Nketiah is good enough to be the number two striker. Don't get that twisted because that's not what I'm saying. And I've been very critical of Arsenal investing £100,000 reportedly a week into Eddie Nketiah to be Arsenal's number two. It's a, it's a decision that I have my issues with. However, I don't think Arsenal will do that. And I don't think Arsenal should put that to the top of their priorities either, to be honest, because they've already invested in Eddie. We've got Martinelli who is here as well. And I think that the more pressing uh, thing that we need to do is bring in that wide forward who can then enable Arsenal's forward players to be more versatile, can enable Martinelli to play through the middle and we don't necessarily lose something on the left because we have a Mudrick there or we have a Ferran Torres there or we have someone else there. That's the key thing. But a striker, you don't bring in a striker six months after you've invested that much money into another striker to be at the club. You just It just doesn't happen. It just You just don't do it. So I'd be shocked beyond all imagining if we were to bring in another striker. The only thing that I think might change it is if somehow Jesus was ruled out for the whole of the second half of the season and maybe into part of next season. If that happened, maybe then we would go and invest in a striker or bring someone in on loan at least. That's the only way I would see things changing. But if it's a three-month injury that means he's back for February, I don't think that they would do it. That's the only difference in this. If he is somehow ruled out for the rest of the season, then maybe I think they'd change it. But I just don't see them doing it uh, based on uh, based on what has happened to Jesus reportedly. Um, Greg says, Martinelli is backup striker. You're then putting a lot of weight on Smith Rowe. Again, no, I'm not, because as I've just said, <laughs> I know it can be exhausting. As I've just said, Arsenal would go out and are aiming to bring in another wide forward that would most likely play on that left-hand side. Uh, and says, classic Tom, to try and water things down when <laughs> Amari Hutchinson, our best prospect, left for Chelsea to try and act like he wasn't our best prospect. Uh, he wasn't uh, for me. Uh, Amari Hutchinson was one of the best prospects at the club, but not the best prospect. I think we've got a number of players like Charlie Patino currently, of course, away. Following Balogun, you'd say, is a lot more accomplished as well. Um, doing really well on loan too. We have players that were higher and more appreciated than Amari Hutchinson. Um, didn't play on the left, by the way. Played on the right-hand side. So it didn't really affect this one. Uh, Philip says, Tom, Eddie was effectively signed on a free transfer. Uh, so 100 grand a week includes his transfer fee. Not fair to beat him with that 100 grand a week stick. Got faith in him. I'm not beating him with the stick of 100 grand. What I'm doing is, is I'm looking at him as a 100 grand a week striker. Yes, of course, that includes not having a fee because you've renewed him. But you've also got to consider the fact that he's coming through the academy. You know, the same as Bakayo Saka. Bakayo Saka is currently on less money than Eddie and Ketia. So get, get your head around that, right? That's the situation that we're on. Gabriel Martinelli, Smith Rowe, I think potentially is even still on less than Eddie and Ketia's reported £100,000 per week contract. You are choosing to invest that amount of money in one player per week. You're, you're choosing to put Eddie and Ketia onto a level of a player within the group. You know, we can talk about there being no transfer fee. I can tell you for a fact, the psychology of the wage structure, people don't care about how much you went for. The wages are more important for the psychology of the team. And that's why wage structures are really important and why you don't want to break them or why you don't want to, you know, but, you know, bring in Jude Bellingham as a 19-year-old and put him on £300,000 plus per week. 
that I don't see that ever happening. I can see Man City doing that, but I don't see us doing that because it would break the wage structure. And psychologically, that can be a bit of a barrier within the dynamic of a group. So it's not a stick to beat that, you know, Eddie and Ketty with that he's on that amount of money. And I'm not beating Eddie and Ketty with that. I'm beating Arsenal with that. It's Arsenal's decision. They're the ones that chose to invest it. Eddie and Ketty is not the one that said, you have to pay me this. I mean, he might have said, this is what I want, but it's not his ultimate decision to agree to that. It's the club's decision to pay him that amount of money. So any criticism of how much he's on doesn't go towards Eddie. It goes towards the club. It doesn't go towards him. But the point of the argument is that the choice to invest that much money per week in him puts him on a certain level of the dynamic in the squad's wage structure. So there becomes a level of expectation around that. And the level of expectation around it influences whether or not you then go and sign a striker six months after you've just done that. I don't see Arsenal doing that. Uh, Inkstermist says, Morning, Tom. Uh, where does the common acknowledgement that Martinelli can play through in the middle come from? Did the player or Arteta confirm previously? Yes, I was actually in the press conference with Martinelli when he said it. Uh, this happens. He said it previous to this as well. But ahead of the FC Zurich game, I believe it was the FC Zurich, uh, Zurich game, uh, I sat in in London, Colney, in the same room with my, uh, Gabriel Martinelli as he spoke about playing as a striker. Not only that, but it is an understanding of uh, my colleague Kai Kainak uh, that has come from the club, that he's been training as a striker and had a number of sessions training as a striker and a centre forward. So, yes, uh, he's come out and said it personally. Arteta has also come out and said it personally. And he is being coached and trained in a number of positions in the forward line, including a centre-forward role. So that's where it all comes from. Um, let's go to Spags. He says, hey, Tom, uh, shout-outs from Australia. Bloody inspirational World Cup campaign by the Socceroos. Absolutely. And commiserations for going out. Uh, it was brilliant to see Australia progress through. And uh, considering the fact that, you know, I think Australia's golden era is very much gone at this point, And I still am willing, I'm trying to willing it into existence to see another one come through. I don't see one coming through at the moment. Maybe that's just me being ignorant and naive of the youth that's coming through in Australia. I think more investment needs to go into grassroots football over there. Um, but I think that, yeah, what was achieved this World Cup, you have to say, is a brilliant achievement from from the Socceroos. Uh, even friends who aren't into football get up at 5am along with most of the country to watch Australia against Argentina. Not only that, but they get up very early in the morning as well to watch Arsenal. And it shows the commitment of those fans, which is why I'm very, very critical of fans who say, if you're never going to games, you don't have the same level of commitment or you're not as much of an Arsenal fan as someone who goes to games because there are people that are arguably even more committed by getting up at 2am, 3am, 5am in the East and in the West, of course, that watch Arsenal around the world. Uh, Elliot says, Respect, respectfully stating Tom Nketiah is not good for the long term as our lead striker, which threatens our title hopes. Sad but true. Again, yes, look, I have my... I am critical of Eddie Nketiah's level of quality. I'm critical of the decision that we, you know, that we invested £100,000 per week in him. I don't want people to get this twisted in my view of Eddie Nketiah. Me defending, I'm not defending the club's decision to pay him that much when I say that I don't think we'll invest in someone because we gave him that much. That's not me defending us doing that. I'm critical of us doing it. You know, if it was up to me, I probably would have allowed Nketiah to move on and I would have signed someone else or allowed Balogun the opportunity to come through. Either I think would have been better in my view. I think Eddie Nketiah's had his chances personally. But now that it's happened, now that it's done, it means that we have to have a different standpoint on it. You know, he's not going to go. He's not going to leave unless maybe he leaves in the summer, but he's not going to leave in January. And I don't see us investing in this winter window either. Um, De Luaro says, Arsenal did not know they were going to be challenging for the title when they had Nketiah as the number two striker. So don't you think that the title challenge could be a reason for going in for a new one? Again, no. Because if you listen to what Edu said at the start of the season... He doesn't talk about the Champions League. Edu didn't talk about qualifying for the Champions League. Edu talked about aiming for more than that. In fact, I will read you the quotes because, uh, as I say, my colleague Kai Kainak sat in the room in Orlando with uh, Edu and spoke to him about what the ambitions of Arsenal was this season. And I'll get you the exact quote so you know I'm not just making this up. Uh, where is the every word? Uh I need this. It's the last. It's the. It's the last quote he says in this. Okay. Okay. Here we go. While missing out on the Champions League places, yes. With all due respect, he says the plan started really when we decided to change Unai Emery. That was my first plan to go to the board and explain to them the reason we want to change, the reason we want to go to a different direction. 
The idea behind it was to have a coach with a very clear idea, a very clear plan, very clear structure, how he wants to play. And from that, we're going to build something together. Now, slightly later on in the interview, he talks about the Champions League. Um, here we go. Uh, when he was asked about the additions of Gabriel Jesus, Fabio Vieira and Zinchenko, uh, Edu admits the trio's mentality were considered first and foremost. He says, I think we've added some more players with that kind of character, he says. Talk to Gabriel, talk to Zinchenko, talk to Fabio. Here, talking, pointing to their heads, Champions League, okay, I accepted that because I want to be realistic. But here, I want to win. A club like Arsenal, our size, is not building to be fighting for fourth place. I'm sorry. We have to be realistic. There's City, Liverpool, etc. That's fine. I accept that. But also, you cannot accept that. Here, when you join this club, when you see our size, we cannot accept it. That's why I really, I was really, really hurt when I arrived. I said, that's not the mentality of this football club. What's happening? Everybody's comfortable. Everybody's okay, okay, okay. F you. Okay, okay. No, I don't want to lose those games. We have to be there again. And I want to see the physios. Uh, I want to see the scouting. I want to see everyone with that kind of feeling where you say, effing hell, now we are going, now we are really going to go for things. And I think we are changing. Again, it doesn't happen overnight, but I think we are changing and putting some really good mentality in the squad. Characters. Now, he said this in August. And yes, he doesn't talk about necessarily the idea that we're going to go and be champions this season or we're going to go fight for the title this season. But Edu talks about Arsenal being title challengers. He doesn't put a time on it. He doesn't put a time frame of saying it's going to be this season or in two years or three years. But that's the aim. So don't get it twisted to say that Arsenal didn't expect us to be title challengers this year. And so therefore, because of that, because now Jesus is injured, we're going to go and sign somebody. The squad that we have right now is not designed to qualify for the Champions League. It's designed to finish as high up the table as feasibly possible. That's not fourth or third. That's as high up as we can finish. Now, the minimum expectation is that you qualify for the Champions League, of course, because you get all the benefits of being in that league in the Champions League, in the cup competition. But the idea of Arsenal is not to finish fourth. It's a mentality that needs to be removed and it is an idea and a mentality that is being removed because it was there before. At the end of Arsene Wenger's era, very much it still felt like, even though we were winning FA Cups, that the aim of Arsenal was kind of defeatist, that we can't compete with City. We can't compete with Liverpool. I think I fell into that trap a lot. You know, of thinking, you know, I just can't see us spending what City spend. But actually, what Liverpool have done is Liverpool have shown an example that you can compete with those teams by making consistently good decisions and consistently smart decisions. And uh, yeah, it's not always going to be perfect. And yeah, some mistakes are going to be made. Uh, but you can still get to the top and you can still win things at the elite level and stay there with a bit of luck. And injuries is a big part of that. Uh, and of course, when Liverpool suffered significant injuries, of course, that meant they fell into fourth place, you know, again, I think two years ago. But the point is, is that Arsenal's mentality, it cannot be sub subsidised with saying, we didn't expect to be in a league title chase this season, so therefore we might go and sign a striker. Arsenal's ambition is to finish as high up the table as possible, not to finish in the Champions League places. The minimum expectation might be to finish in the Champions League places, but the aim is to finish as high up the table as possible. And because of that, I think the squad that we have right now is designed to do that. And I think that what they're going to try and do in January and what they planned to do in January before Gabriel Jesus got injured was to further and to cement the idea that we would finish as high up the table as possible. If that's first, amazing. Beyond imagining for me this season. But if it's second, I think it's still a huge step forward, a massive, massive step forward. And I think they're going to do what they do in January, hopefully to consolidate our efforts in the first half of the campaign. Let's break uh, this up a little bit more and scroll down. I'm off work today, so I don't mind sticking around for a bit longer and going through some more of your questions because I wasn't on yesterday. So keep throwing them in. If you haven't dropped a like on the video yet, please make sure you do that as well. It really does help us out. Uh, Haroon says, do you believe that we can win the league even without Jesus? I think we have to change the question, Harun. If you're asking me, do I think we can win the league without Jesus for the rest of the season? I'd be a, I'd, I'd be a fool to say, yeah, absolutely, because I think ultimately it's going to be very, very difficult. But if if the question is, can we win the league without Jesus for three months and we get him back in February, then yeah, I still think we can. I still think we can compete to win it because we thankfully have a January transfer window here. We can add a forward. We can add a midfielder. And we've still got lots of talent and we're getting back Emil Smith-Rowe. So, you know, yes, I think we can win the league if he's out until February. Do I think we can win the league if Jesus is out for the whole of the season? I think it's going to be very, very tough. 
Very, very tough indeed. But thankfully, we've got this opportunity in January to add a forward. Oh, I think a wide one, a versatile wide forward still, or someone that enables Martinelli to become more versatile. I think that's what we need to bring into the team. Uh, James says, based on your Neil Smith-Rowe's number eight perspective, Martinelli has played as a striker for Arsenal before and it didn't go well. So surely you should have a similar stance with that. Um, let's have a quick look at Martinelli's record at striker. It's a good question. It's a fair question. Um, my view, again, on the Neil Smith-Rowe is that I just see him as, I just see him accomplished in that left playmaker kind of role um let's go to statistics arsenal career playing at center forward overall balance that's what i want so he has played 14 times as center forward scored seven goals and got one assist so that's a goal every other game he's played as a left winger 77 times and scored 15 goals so i'm interested to know where you've got that from because seemingly as a striker as a center forward playing in the middle and this is on transfer marks i'm getting these stats from uh, seven goals in 14 games, um, which is, as I say, a record of one in two, has 15 goals playing on the left-hand side of which he's then played 77 games. So I think, James, unfortunately, the numbers maybe are against you in that argument there because I think actually the numbers support the fact that you can play through the middle. I'm curious where those games happen. Let's have a quick look at Gabriel Martinelli playing through the middle. Um, so, uh, he's played, uh, he played as centre forward against Liverpool, if you remember, scored twice at Anfield, uh, and against Nottingham Forest as well, scored twice there as well. Uh, in his early days, if you remember when he first joined us, he played through the middle, played against Standard Liège, scored twice, scored against, uh, Vittoria as well. Uh, his most recent games playing for us, so 22, playing against PSV, he played 14 minutes as a centre forward. Again, that was in our 1-0 win. Uh, 24 minutes against Villarreal in the 0-0 in the second leg of the Europa League in 21. It's a long time ago. So he's not played in the middle for quite some time. The last time he did it in the Premier League uh, was the 2-0 home defeat to Chelsea. Remember that last season, of course, when Aubameyang was out, Lacazette was still out, Aubameyang came on towards the end. Uh, and we started with, I think we started maybe, or we didn't start with Balogun, but Balogun came off the bench, but Martinelli started through the middle. Weren't the best opportunity to see what he was capable of doing, but I think there is evidence that actually he can score goals through the middle, uh, and I think that's really important. Uh, Tob says, I feel like people are sleeping on Eddie. Uh, he is no Jesus, uh, but he scored five in seven starts. That's not luck. He's now been judged off scrap minutes and playing in the Europa League with the second team, and this is a completely reasonable and fair position to have. And it's a position that I have. I absolutely think it's fair to say that without Jesus, it is a step down to Eddie Nketiah. What I think is unfair is to say that Eddie Nketiah cannot score goals for Arsenal or is not ready to score goals at a Premier League level because he's already proved that he is. He needs that regularity of playing with the first team. And I think there have been opportunities for this season where he's come off the bench, say, against Southampton, was given a fantastic chance to win Arsenal the game and missed that chance. I think he's played regularly in the Europa League, granted, not always with the first team, hasn't necessarily had the best performances. Um, but I think there have been some good displays. Zurich away was good. You know, his goal that he scored against Brighton when we lost in the Carabao Cup was a fantastic goal. I had no criticisms of, of Eddie Nketiah's performance in that game. I looked at the rest of the team in that game and I did not look at Eddie Nketiah as the thing that was wrong with why we didn't progress past Brighton. It was a team performance that wasn't there, but Eddie Nketiah as an individual did his job. He scored a great goal in that game. So if Jesus, sorry, if Jesus is to be out, and say Nketiah starts against West Ham on Boxing Day and say he starts again against Brighton, I'd be fairly confident in saying I think he's going to score in one of those two games. I, I wouldn't say I think you'd be pretty brave to put your money on Nketiah not scoring if he's the starting striker in those two fixtures. I think you'd have to be pretty brave to say that if he starts both games. I think that he's got a great chance of getting a goal or two in both of those fixtures. And I think it would be brave to say that he's not going to do that. Um, I'm not going to take any bets of anyone because <laughs> I'm not a betting man. But uh, what I will say is that I think you'd have to be brave um, to, to say that because I think his record at starting in the Premier League is very good, actually, when playing with the Arsenal first team, as Tarbs very well points out. Uh, let's go to John, who says, I understand Arsenal have a plan and they're basically sticking to it, but do you think there could be a greater impetus slash flexibility to act based on the current table? 
Yes, look, John, and I do think that the plan that we talk about is also impacted by about where we are. And I think that the club will certainly be looking at um, the fact that they most likely have Champions League football for next season, and that will impact how much they might spend in January. I know there's been some reports about Arsenal have £50 million to spend in the window. I'm going to tell you to be very cautious. And I always tell you to be very cautious when you hear these reports saying, this is the amount of money that Arsenal have to spend in the transfer window. Because in reality, they haven't got a clue. With respect... They don't know. They don't know how much Arsenal can spend. They don't know how much Arsenal plan to spend. They don't know how much money is available or what Kroenke is telling that they can spend or what Edu is being told that he's able to invest. And that will, of course, change. You know, the budget you have will change if you manage to move some players on. If, say, uh, the owners turn around and say, we've worked out our way that we can invest more money. Things change. So when you see those reports saying Arsenal have X amount of money in a war chest to spend, Oh, what a load of beeswax. <laughs> like, it just, it makes no sense. How would how would they know that? You know, I'm coming from the perspective of someone who's first, you know, really early on getting into this field of journalism, only been in it for, you know, two, two and a bit years. And so when I report news, because, you know, it's a contact I have has given me that information or whatever in confidence. And, you know, I'm not going to reveal who those sources are because no one reveals who their sources are because it would be the most counterintuitive thing to do as a journalist. Why would you reveal where your sources are? But, there aren't sources at a club that are going to tell somebody how much money there is to spend because it is in no way beneficial to Arsenal to do that. Anyone at Arsenal that has the information about how much money they have and available to spend, as soon as they reveal that information, it is to the detriment of the club. It is to the detriment of what their ability to spend is. So they're not going to reveal that information to anyone. They don't want other clubs to know how much money they have because as soon as clubs find out you've got a lot of money to spend, all of a sudden, when Arsenal come calling, you know that you can ask for a lot of money for a player. So it makes no sense for the amount of money Arsenal have to spend to be out there in the open. And it's just information that I don't think is ever really trustworthy or ever done in good faith. I really don't. And that's coming from my personal perspective. If anyone's got a problem with that, I don't care. Uh, Timmy says, uh, Tom, change the question. How much can Arsenal spend based on FFP rules, assuming no January sales? Should That should be knowable. Um it should be knowable, you're right. And the answer to that, from my perspective, is I don't know. I, I don't really know uh, how much money is available through FFP. And also what you have to remember is whilst that you claim that should be knowable, FFP is is very hard to judge because it's going through changes. You know, there are changes coming to FFP. They're changing the structure it. Hold on, sneeze is coming. TGT sneeze, is it coming? No, it's staved it off, staved it off, staved it off. I thought it was coming, but it's not. Anyway, <laughs> FFP is changing. It's going through some... Uh, it's going through an overhaul and they're looking to change what it is, what it means and what its expectations are because it's, frankly, it's become a bit of a joke, uh, FFP. So, yeah. Uh, OM says, with Jesus out and with the attack and goals scoring feeling like a crisis, the importance... Is it feeling like a crisis? Uh, the importance and defence and depending on low-scoring wins is even more vital. We need to get rock solid at the back. Oh, I think we have been pretty solid, you know, at the back. You know, if I look at our results this season, a quick look at our results for the campaign. I mean, if you look at the Premier League table for starters, we are one of the highest scoring teams in the Premier League, are we not? I'm pretty sure that we are. Goals scored by Arsenal, 33. The only team with more goals than us this season, I think, is Man City. It is indeed, you know, with 40. The next highest is 31, and that's those lot down the road. And the next one highest to that is 29, and that's Newcastle, who've done fantastically. Um, goals against 11. The only teams to have conceded less than us this season are nobody. No one has conceded less goals than us. So defensively, we've been rock solid. We've been the second highest goal scorers in the league. So I don't think goal scoring feels like a crisis at the moment at all. I wouldn't say that's fair. I wouldn't say that's a fair representation of where we are. I think that we need to add, absolutely. I think we need to add a forwards, And that for me is a versatile wide forward or someone that enables Martinelli to be more versatile. And he can be that. But uh, yeah, I, I, I don't necessarily agree that you know we've got a, a, a crisis at the moment. I really don't. Um, let's go to John says, yeah, that makes sense. If you want to buy a product and you have to see it's on the sale line, or you change your plans and maybe you buy it earlier. Uh, again, it's always going to come into you know they're going to change things depending on where we are, what we're doing. Plans are very malleable uh, and they do change all the time. Uh, God's power says, is it true that Jesus is out for three months? If true, that's a huge loss. Again. As I said at the start of the show, the truth is until Arsenal reveal uh, the information from their own scans, there is 
just I really would say be cautious with information about how long Jesus is being uh, kind of talked about being out for. It might be that he's out for three months, but the club are still yet to do their own scans, their own assessment of the player. Until that happens, um, just be cautious. Just be cautious about it. Uh, let's go to Lona Magic, who says, I'm excited for the second half of the season. We've got a lot of talent on the bench and I have faith in Arteta to get results. Thanks, Tom. I was worried for a minute, but I'm right as rain now. I'm glad that I've steadied the ship somewhat. Uh, Matty says, Tom, with another phantom sneeze, one of the life's mysteries. <laughs> it is. I don't, whenever you talk about sneezing, it goes away. So I think that's the only way we can solve that problem. If that was the only way we could talk about um, injuries. If we talked about injuries all the time, then they wouldn't happen. But we can't do that in the same way. Uh, Marcus says, with White out indefinitely. Who told you that White's out indefinitely? I've not certainly heard that White's out indefinitely. Um, I haven't heard that at all. There's been no reports claiming he's out indefinitely. We don't know how... We don't know what's going on with Ben White. We don't know what the reality is with Ben White. And there is no point speculating about what's wrong with Ben White. It's personal. We've been told it's personal. Um... No one has a right to to discuss it, really. You know, we've been told it's personal and that's what we need to be told, that it's personal. Um, as soon as that's kind of the, the 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 bottom line, as soon as you're told it's personal reasons, you're just unfortunate. I know that everyone has this desire and, you know, definitive need to know everything, but you sometimes do have to hold your hands and go, cool, personal reasons. I accept that. It is what it is. And I'm sure that he's going to be back soon. But no, I wouldn't be talking about Ben White being out indefinitely and, I don't know where you've heard that, Marcus, but feel free to send it my way if that's what you have heard. Uh, Matt Tomo says, uh, why do you think Enketi has been a lightning rod for criticism for much of his career? He scored prolifically at youth level, did well in his extended run at the end of last season. He's all right. I think your last two words in your comment, Matt, is probably why he gets as much stick as he does, because he's all right. He's decent. He's he's, an, he's a good striker. Um, and I think the problem is, is that Arsenal needs more than that. Arsenal need a brilliant striker uh, if Arsenal want to get to the top and the expectation and the aim should be always to try and get to the top with this club Eddie Nketiah I don't think people believe is going to take us to that and I think that's why he becomes that lightning rod for criticism because people don't think that he can do it for us which sucks for him you know on a mental level it really sucks for him um, especially when at the end of last season he puts in some really good performances and nearly pushes us over the line to Champions League football but as soon as you sign someone like Gabriel Jesus, you recognise the difference. I mean, if you can't see the difference and the, the um, you know, with respect, the chasm in the, the quality between the two players and what they bring to the team when they're playing, I, I don't know what to tell you because there is a significant gap between the two. And so I think the words are used there, Matt, at the end of he's all right is exactly the reason as to why you asked the question. That's why he's the lightning rod for criticism because the perception is, is that he's not good enough to get to the top. And I don't think it's wrong to say that uh, either. Um, <clears throat> let's go to Lona Magic says, what's up with Tommy Asu? Any news? The hope is that he's going to start Japan's next game. So ultimately, uh, he hopefully will be back for Arsenal and fully fit. He's just been kind of getting back to full fitness. That's been the real thing for him, but he should be. Um, so there you go. Uh, Sanjeev says, now do I do this comment justice and start shouting? For the benefit of your ears, I'm not going to do that, but I'm going to try and do it and do it justice. And Katia is a perfect player. He's not, sorry, he's not a perfect player. He will let us down, Jesus, on cross for at least three months. And then we urgently need a world-class striker to make us champions. You know, so I tried to do that justice, Sanjeev. I hope you appreciated it. Um, I disagree with you. <laughs> I don't think this is a need to to go that kind of crazy at the moment. Nketiah is not going to be the striker that takes Arsenal to the top. Is Nketiah a striker that is good enough to tie us over for three months, if it's, say, three months? I think he can do that. I think Arsenal can do that. You know, if you look at the fixtures between now and then, it's a good way to kind of measure it. What fixtures would we have Nketiah for? Well, West Ham at home. Do I think we can beat West Ham at home with Nketiah in place of Jesus? Yes, I do. Do I think we can get a result at Brighton with Nketiah instead of Jesus? Yes, I do. Do I think we can get a result at home against Newcastle with Nketiah instead of Jesus? Yes, I do. Do I think that we can beat Spurs away? That is a game I'm not as confident in getting a result in. I think Jesus is really important in that game and we're going to miss it. Man United at home. Do I think we can get a result against Man United at home with Nketiah up top? Well, remind me, who started the game at home against Manchester United last season? because I'm pretty sure it was Eddie and Ketty, and I'm pretty sure we won that game. Everton away. And this is at the start of February now, so we get into the three-month territory. Um, yes, I think we can get a result at Everton away. Do I think we can beat 
Brentford at home with Nketiah as our striker? Yes, yes, I do. Do I think we can beat Man City at home? Probably not. Probably not. Aston Villa away? Tough one. But it's the 18th of Feb, so maybe, maybe we're lucky when we get Jesus back out of schedule. Leicester away is the last game in February. Do I think we can get a result of any Nketiah as a striker away at Leicester? Yes, I do. And I don't think that's naive. I don't think that's me being really optimistic. That's me looking at the results that we had. And we had Nketiah starting away at Chelsea. We had him starting at home against Manchester United. And we got results against those teams. So why can't we put Nketiah in place of Jesus in a team that has a really good Granit Xhaka in it now with Zinchenko, with Saliba? Why can't we do that? Why can't we have some confidence that we can get results against these teams because we're replacing Jesus with Nketiah for three months? You know, the challenge is there for him. The challenge is there. And I think ultimately, I think we can do those things. So I'm not typing in capitals and screaming at my computer because Nketiah is going to replace uh, Jesus for potentially three months, if that is indeed the amount of time he's out for, which we don't know yet. Uh, no, I'm not. And do I think that we need to sign a striker in January because of what's happened to Jesus if he's out for three months? No. Do I think that we need to sign a striker if Jesus is out for the whole season? Maybe. That might change my mind a bit. But at the moment, I, at the moment, you know, I just think that we're in a position where I don't want to be cataclysmic about, and I don't want to be end of worldy about this. Um, I want to be confident. I want to be optimistic. And I think there is evidence to be optimistic as well. And I think there is enough that we've seen in the past with Nketiah starting for us to know that we can pick up points and pick up points in, in tough games as well. And I think we've got an even better team than we did when we were doing it with Nketiah as our striker. And I think we're going to sign players in January. I think we're going to strengthen. I think we're going to reinforce and hopefully a signing in a forward line position will make everyone feel a little bit more comfortable. And then we've got the exciting prospect of seeing Jesus play with whoever that forward player is when he eventually comes back. But as I said at the start of the show, let's wait and see what the prognosis is. Let's see what the diagnosis is. Let's see how long he's out for. And we can have a big, long chat about what that is when it comes. And we will do that. And I'll get people on to have a big old chat about it as well, I promise. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening and being patient and uh, on the most part being reasonable. I know it's a very emotional topic and a very, you know, it creates debate and discussion, arguments and emotions, and I get that. So if you've enjoyed it, drop a like on the video, subscribe to the channel. Um, I said I wanted to talk to you about something before I finished up, and I'm going to do that. Uh, so if you're, you're, you know, if you're kind of done with the Arsenal chat, this is kind of an end to that. So if you want to shoot off, shoot off, feel free. Uh, this is a very, very honest admission. Uh, I'm not really happy at the moment, uh, is honesty. I'm not really happy with myself and me. And I'm really, really wanting some motivation. Um, I really want to lose weight. I really want to get fitter. I really want to do more stuff. And I really, really struggle with it. And I don't mind talking openly about this because I feel as though talking openly about this is going to help me get the motivation I need because I feel as though if I put this out there, I've got you guys and gals uh, to message me and maybe get involved in talking more about this. Um, I, of course, have the uh, Discord server with all of our members in as well. And I think we have a fitness channel in our Discord server. I'm going to have a quick check. I thought we did have a fitness channel. Maybe we don't. We do have a fitness channel. Okay. So we have a fitness channel in the Discord server for our members. I really need, I really want to get fitter. I really want to lose more weight. And I really want to not look in the mirror and feel crap about myself, basically, in all, in, in all honesty. And that's how I feel right now. And I know that some people might turn around and go, you don't need to think like this, you don't need to think like that. I'm going to be very honest with you, hearing stuff like that doesn't really help a person in that way. It doesn't really help, you know. Motivation is what I need, and I need to be able to be motivated to do whatever I need to do, whether it's doing exercise every day, eating better, all of that stuff. And what I want to do, really, is find other people like me, in a way, I want to find other people who also want to lose weight, also want to get fitter. And I'd love for it to be members of the channel, of course, because it means like we can have a discussion in the Discord server. But if you're not a member of the channel, that's absolutely fine. You don't need to be. Just get in contact. Drop me a DM on Insta. Drop me a DM on Twitter. And I'd love to kind of do a joint, be it by Strava, something to do with like running or so we can like as a group kind of do that. But I think that's the only the only way I'm really going to get off my backside at times. You know, when I was teaching, I was on my feet all the time. Every single day I was on my feet and teaching. Uh, by the way, if you're waiting for an advert to pop up, and this is some kind of clever sponsor. It's not. So, <laughs> so that's not coming. Um, 
But, uh, you know, Peloton suddenly. No, I'm joking. Um, but when I was teaching, I was on my feet all the time, walking around all day long. Now, not doing that because I'm at home. I'm working from home. I'm writing all day. I'm doing the shows. I'm editing. I'm writing. I'm going to games. I'm sitting down, watching the game, sitting on a train, sitting wherever, doing my transport, all of that stuff. And the only real exercise I've been doing is walking around the house, walking to the train station, walking to the ground and back. And I'm not doing enough. I'm really not doing enough. And the only way I feel as though I'm going to do more and be motivated to do more is if is if I'm able to do that, is if I'm able to um, tell you more about it. And if you're going to push me to do more and you're going to keep asking me for updates and if you're going to be more expectant of me. Uh, and if you have any tips, I really appreciate it like sensible ones not stop eating you know you know i want some sensible ones uh and i want motivation so i feel as though if i'm talking about it if i'm being more open about it if i'm stop hiding the fact that i'm not really happy with myself right now i feel as though that's going to help me um to do more now what the plan is because i do have some solutions right now a is to just stop blooming snacking i'm so bad with snacking i don't know about you but i'm really awful at snacking like I, I just continuously like have a mini baby bell here, have a little brownie here, have a cookie here. Like, you know, I'm really bad at it. The first thing I'm going for my shop for the weekly shop today, I'm not going to be buying any snacks and any snacks that the missus wants. I've said to her, keep them at your work. Don't keep them in the house. Keep them at work because if they're here, I will eat them. <laughs> That's just, it's something. I have an addictive personality and, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's what it is. I, I'm addicted to Arsenal. I'm addicted to content and you know producing things and doing 8am shows you know so it's tough so i need the things not to be there um so no snacking second thing is 15 minutes of exercise minimum every day so whether that's a mile run i'm trying to do this where you do a mile a day and if you think about it seven miles a week that's 28 miles a month minimum 30 most of the time 365 miles a day minimum and maybe you can build that up and go two miles some days or three miles or whatever but yeah, anyway, I'm reading all your comments while I'm talking. I'm probably going to go back and read all of them through as well. I really appreciate the kind support that you guys give me. It means a lot. Uh, and thank you for that. But yeah, if you are like me, not happy with yourself right now, want to be better, maybe there's maybe there's something that we can do collaboratively. Maybe we can do like an Arsenal fitness podcast where the people that are, you know, doing the fitness stuff with me, we do a weekly or monthly podcast together on the channel. And we talk about what we obviously we talk about Arsenal first to get, you know, because we've got to talk about Arsenal for it to be relevant. But at the end of the shows, maybe we have a bit of a discussion about the fitness and how we're doing and progress and things like that. And maybe things that were challenges and stuff like that. I'd really like to incorporate that into this because this channel is ultimately my lifeblood along with my job. And so being able to do this, um, I think and being able to talk about this with you guys is going to make this uh, better, uh, make this easier. Uh, so yes, there you go. There's me being really open and honest with everybody about where I'm at, where my head's at with with who I am right now. So and it's yeah, not in not in the best place in terms of that. So I want to be better, uh, and I want to be better. I've given up. I'll tell you one of the best things I'm going to do is I used to, I I remember moaning about FIFA all the time and playing FIFA. I hadn't played FIFA in two years before this year. And then friends of mine said, there's an eight-hour trial. Do you want to play some FIFA? And I was like, oh, fine, you know, I'll download the eight-hour trial. Played the eight-hour trial. What did I do? I bought the game. I said I wasn't going to play FUT Champions. What did I do? I played FUT Champions. And eventually you start spending so much time on FIFA and you're thinking, oh, I've got to do this objective. I've got to do this squad build or I've got to make sure that I do my games this weekend. I've got to make sure that I qualify for the weekend league. I'm, you know, and this sounds really sad. Like, I'm a 28-year-old guy, you know. Should I really be playing so much FIFA? I've got a family, I've got a job. And, you know, it was always happening outside of obviously work hours. But, you know, outside of work hours was mainly when the missus was around. So I was playing FIFA in the evenings or playing it on my days off and using my entire day off to play FIFA. Like, and I look back on that and I go, was a, I could have spent that time, you know, building up, you know, doing up, doing exercise or, you know, doing something a lot better. So uh, I hope that now giving that up, and I have quit it, I've uninstalled the game, that, you know, and addictive personalities are are really hard to, to kind of progress from. But I'm hoping that talking about this with you and being open and honest about this with you and maybe more people reaching out to me and saying they're up for getting involved in something that's going to help us, you know, lose weight together and track things together and maybe talk about Arsenal together while doing it. If you're up for it, there's my plea. 
So uh, send me a DM on Twitter, Instagram, at the Guna Talk TV. It's all below you there. Uh, bet you're better to catch me on that one uh, than my personal one. But uh, yeah, at the Guna Talk TV, at the Guna Talk on Instagram. Let me know if you're willing to get involved and if you want to join up and uh, maybe we can start a monthly Arsenal fitness podcast. <laughs> That's something that we do. Thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for being patient. And I'm surprised that all 800 plus of you that were listening stuck around for that. So that means a lot. Uh, it means genuinely the fact that I, st- I stopped talking about Arsenal 15 minutes ago. I think 10 people have stopped listening in that time. So the fact that 800 of you stuck around still uh, that's incredible really really is um drop a like subscribe if you're new and as always up the arsenal have a fantastic week guys and i'll speak to you soon it's the 90 plus minute all your mates around, and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go, and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.